welcome. This is Parenting for the Everyday. I'm Becca Alvarez. And I'm Holly Dykandrew. We are two moms currently down in the trenches of parenthood. We want to create a community of support and encouragement as we set out to find the answers to the parenting questions that everyone is asking. Today's topic is how to build healthy financial habits in your kids. We have two very special guests in the studio today. We have Pete McQuillan and Kelly Coffey, who happens to be my sister-in-law. Tell us about yourselves. Well, my name is Pete McQuillan, and uh, I've been attending the church um, for about uh, 10 years now, came here from Sandusky area, and I'm here with my daughter, Kelly, which is pretty special, to talk about um, money and and, uh, how it relates to families. And I I really got passionate about this topic back in the 90s. Um, I don't think you were even born, you two. Oh, I was. She might not have been, but I was. Also a 90s baby. (laughs) But I was listening to Christian Radio driving on my commute to and from work. It was about a half-hour commute, and there was a program on called The Money Minute with Larry Burkett. And I had some really uh, interesting um, conversations with Larry Burkett on the radio. I would actually talk to the radio and say, you know, that can't be right. And I I got very frustrated with some of his points on uh, Christian finances. And I came to realize I really had a lot to learn about um, finances from a biblical perspective. And so through that, um, I decided to um, join the financial ministry at our previous church. And through that, I, I became a financial coach. And so for the last 25 years, I've been spending a lot of time coaching, and I've learned um, the devastation that can come from uh, people not understanding finances. And so that's how I jumped in, and it's been quite a journey, and um, I'm looking forward to more to come. But my family, I think, has benefited from some of the things I learned, and I know Kelly can speak to some of that as we go along. Yeah, so I'm Kelly Coffey. I am obviously Pete's daughter, so I grew up with all this stuff, and I had to put a big chunk of my Dairy Queen earnings in a Roth IRA in high school, (laughs) which is funny. But because of this, I grew up hating debt. And my parents and my husband's parents both helped us with our undergrad, so we didn't have debt. However, my husband is a chiropractor, so he went to grad school for a long time and had just shy of $200,000 in grad school loans, which I wanted to pay off yesterday. So we both worked, and literally, I say, we only spent money on gas, grub, and giving. So gas, food, and giving for three years. I literally did not buy a pair of socks, and we paid it off. But I really believe the most important part of that is giving. We still gave 10% of our money back to the kingdom, and I saw God provide. Not that it's a prosperity gospel, but when you follow God's word, he does supply your needs. I mean, last thing, I could write a book, but I told you I didn't buy anything extra for that three years. But our broom broke. So I told Jeremy, I have to go to Lowe's and buy a broom. And he was like, that's fine. And I kid you not, I went outside and a broom had blown into our front yard. Ah. No idea where it came from. But Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So I I really think that's where the broom came from. (laughs) I love that. So Kelly, you mentioned uh, being married to Jeremy. Tell us, kids, how long you've been married. Yeah, so we've been married for 10 years, and we have two littles. They're six and seven. John Peter is seven, and Chloe Kim is six. How about you, Pete? Um, You know, I have three children, Kelly being one. I have a son, Matthew, who's married to Gina and have two grandchildren with them. And I have our daughter, Amy, is married uh, to Kevin, and we just had a new grandbaby born Christmas Eve. So so that was really exciting. And we're just happy to be here um, living amongst our our family. Sometimes I feel like we're the Waltons. We're so close. 
Uh, but it's been great. And I've been involved in the financial ministry here for um, some time, led it at one point, not leading it now, but very involved as a, a volunteer. And uh, it's it's just been a great experience. Thank you guys so much for being here and talking about money. Because I feel like money is one of those things that is easy to just not want to talk about because it's scary and it's intimidating. So tell us, why does talking about money matter? I think it's important that we talk about money because like any wound that we might have, if it's left unchecked, it can get infected and can get a whole lot worse. So I think it's good that it's not always the most pleasant topic to talk about, mm-hmm. but it's one I think we have to address uh, again because left, if left unchecked, it can create a lot of pain. And I've, I've experienced that in, in our coaching and... Uh, so it's an area we, we love to talk about. Well, dive into that a little bit more because you said wounds can get infected. And earlier when you're kind of saying who you were, you mentioned you've seen the devastation. And so what are some problems that you see in families uh, in regards to money and just how if they had better habits when their kids were younger, maybe how those would have been avoided? So what are the big issues that we're trying to avoid? Yeah, that's a great question, Holly. And I would say one, one of the interesting things with finances is opposites tend to attract. Mm. Um, so you will have a spender hook up with a saver and vice versa. And uh, if, if if all we did was save, life would be pretty boring. And if all we did was spend, we might get off the rails. So I think it's important that as families um, recognize the fact that we're all created uniquely um, by God, that we want to find a place where we compromise when we build a budget. And uh, it's good to get the kids involved in that too. So many times we try to shelter the children from maybe some hurdles we're facing in our finances. So I think it's important we get the whole family involved, understand we're all different, understand we have all you know goals and aspirations that are different, and then just be very transparent. Um, I had one girl in one of our financial classes who came and was devastated because her parents would not talk about finances ever. And they sent her away to all these uh, sports camps and uh, all these this money they spent on her, thinking they were doing her a favor. Here they were having all kinds of money problems. And she said uh, she came up her driveway um, crying one day because her dad came out and said they were getting a divorce. They had kept everything from the family, all this financial pressure. And she said, if I would have known that, I would have given up everything yeah. to have our family be together. So. It's important not to hide things, get it out in the open, and work through things um, as a family. Uh, I love that my dad mentioned opposites attract, and Dave Ramsey always says there's typically a saver and a spender within couples, and there's a saver, so you have a retirement, and there's a spender, so you have a life. (laughs) (laughs) I know which one I am. (laughs) Um, You make so many great points about just – the devastation that's possible with with money and with hiding money um, and also just not talking about it. So if you are a parent who struggles thinking about money or talking about money, um, one of those people that kind of doesn't look at a bill until they need to pay it. So what would you recommend that parent do to start to prepare themselves so then they can prepare their children? Where do you start? Yeah, I, I think that um, a lot of it, you know, they say that money money is the leading cause of divorce or one of the top causes, and but it's really not money, it's communication. Um, so I, I think that um, both uh, in couples, they have to just foster a spirit of conversation and openness and no finger pointing um, because that only leads to walls going up. And so I think it's important that uh, there's an openness, there's a caring uh, so that communication is fostered. 
And uh, again, I, and I think it's good for the children to see that in communication. It's good in relationships. And really, I found that money can lead, although it can lead to a lot of money fights, as you work through those, the children learn how to handle confrontation. And we don't want to make it confrontation. We want to make it communication. We want to make it um, things that we can talk through. And as the children see the parents do that, I think they learn a lot of life lessons that will bode well for them in the future. So I would say a few practical habits that um, you can start at home. I think parents and children can start implementing these principles. For parents, I would start giving saving spending in that order if you're not already. I would recommend investing what you're saving and putting money into a 529B if you want to help your kids with college so there are tax advantages. Um, and then I would teach your kids the same thing, maybe with the jars, um, giving, saving, spending. And then and then let them watch you give and use money to show love, save, and also spend and have some fun. And I would get them involved. Um, we gave our kids uh, the Just Because cards at Christmas and some money, and we helped them look for opportunities to bless others, and we just let them experience that joy. I love that. I love <clears throat> letting them be a part of the giving and letting them see that and knowing, uh, hey, we gave, and then this is how the Lord used the money. Uh, growing up, we we didn't have jars. We had like envelopes. So like we would mm-hmm. get an allowance, and then it was, hey, put this in your, your giving, put this in your saving, and then here's your money to spend. And even that visualization was really helpful to me as I was growing up. Um, you mentioned a couple times about giving and obviously giving back to God. Let's dive deeper into that portion of it. What does God say about money? Does he talk about money? Is that in the Bible? Are we making this up? Or is there uh, like a spiritual aspect to oh, this? Oh, yeah, Holly. He he talks a lot about money, more than I ever imagined. When Larry mm-hmm. Burgett, when I used to listen to his program, I didn't believe it. But there's actually a gentleman that went through and highlighted, I have the Bible in my office, all the verses that deal with money and possessions. 2,350 verses. Wow. And so... People are shocked by that. I was shocked by that. But but as you dive into that and say, why would God have so much to say about money? And I, I've discovered that the reason is, is because he knew um, how money could separate us, become an idol for us. Mm. You know, we hear a lot about idols in the Old Testament. We don't think a lot about idols today. But money can create, um, I don't think there's anything, and I know Pastor Joe has spoken to this, that there's nothing that pulls our heartstrings harder than, you know, money, shiny things. They just get our attention and we chase them. And so I think God had a lot to say about that for that reason. And um, there's just so much to learn. I'd rather have the book of Proverbs than have an MBA in finance um, because there's so much, and we can talk a little bit later about what it specifically says, but... um, yeah, even co-signing. I'm coaching somebody right now. The Bible talks about co-signing. It, back in the Old Testament, it calls it surety, but it says don't co-sign. And I, I'm coaching a, um, a person now who got involved in that. It's devastating her finances. It, the, the, the friend she tried to help is devastated. And at the end of the day, um, God knew that if somebody's ready to make a purchase, a home or a car or whatever— when they're ready, they should do it. Otherwise, wait. He's saying that with, with that particular verse. And and I could, again, there's 2,350, so there's a lot of room to learn from Scripture on what God has to say. And we have a lot of classes and coaching that can help you uh, to understand things better. And we welcome people to come to our classes. We welcome to reach out and, and get a coach, and we'd love to come alongside. Yeah, I wonder if people, a lot of people probably don't know that we offer uh, financial ministry to help that. And so I'm glad that you said that. 
So I think the other thing about money is that there's so much embarrassment and shame that can be involved in it as well, and just the sheer vulnerability of inviting someone in. So I love that the church is involved in financial ministry um, because it is scary, and it's so easy for things to go wrong and then more wrong and then kind of spiral out of control. And so you guys being here and just being such safe places and representing such safety, I'm sure is so meaningful for someone like me and for other people that— need some guidance when it comes to finances. Yeah, so here's a question. Um, One of the things that we feel really passionate about is moving from being like a reactive parent to a proactive parent. So we know, hey, there's a problem here. We have to fix it. But what can we do on the front end to build some of those healthy habits? And I I think one of the biggest questions about that is how do you balance providing like a nice lifestyle? You don't want your kids to suffer or to be in want, but also you don't want to to foster that spirit of entitlement. And so how do those two things practically come together? Yeah, um, I think teaching them to work and give is the best way. We don't pay our kids for helping out around the house because we all help as a family. But when they do something extra, like help Jeremy wash a car or help me with a big project, we'll give them some money. And I think it's important to let them have some tangible money and then let them do the math of giving a dollar on every 10, save a few and spend some or save up for something big. And John Peter recently said, I don't want to give a dollar. I want to give $5. And we just told him that made Jesus happy. I mean, because $1 is, you know, it's not much that he asked for with the tithe of 10%. Um, I just think giving is so important because it reminds us and teaches our kids, God gave us everything we have and we are just managing it. And all earthly possessions are just going to burn up. And money has the potential to make people feel loved or conversely hurt. So we should use it to make people feel loved. And like I said, it's not a prosperity gospel, but giving is the only place in the Bible Bible where God says, test me. In Malachi 3, he says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Pete, you kind of already alluded to this, but um, my dad talks about money a lot as well. And me and him have a lot of different conversations about it and just about how money, I feel like, is so sticky. And I think it can be sticky in a lot of different ways. I think it can be sticky in the way that you're chasing shiny things and it becomes your idol or your sender because you want to spend. But I think it can also be sticky in making saving your God as well and just wanting to save, save, save. So how do you put an emphasis on the importance of money but not have it become your center and become your idol? Boy, that's a great question, Becca, and I've listened to your dad speak on that, and he says it's not only sticky, but it's also tricky. And uh, it's tricky in the sense that, you know, a lot of sin we have is really apparent. You know, if I'm stealing or adultery or, you know, certain sins are just, they're out there and you know it. Mm -hmm. But greed is something different. Um, We can justify our greed. We can say, oh, I'm putting all the hours in at the office because I love my family. I'm doing it for them. And we can make greed look good. And uh, so I think we have to be aware that it is a tricky sin. And I'm probably my biggest struggle is with um, putting my security in my 401k versus God. And and I've struggled with this a long time uh, to to know God's going to take care of me. It does. It's not the 401k. It's not the government. It's not any other entity but him and him alone. And so I think we just have to really um, trust what Scripture says, um, trust the Lord. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to me that um, that trust thing is so important because, you know, the average evangelical Christian gives less than 3%. 
like 2.4 studies wow. have been done. And that always puzzled me that why why would that be? If, if God asks for 10% as a tithe, which I think is very low, if he owns everything and we're just giving back what he's given us, 10% seems very reasonable. But the reason is, is what Kelly talked about earlier, the give, save, spend, we get that kind of turned around and we and, and spend and then save and then give whatever's left. And we give kind of got our leftovers. First fruits is just such an important concept um, that we give him our first and our best. So I think, and, and that's why we're different than getting coaching at KeyBank. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be talking to you about wealth building, which is all good. And a lot of what we do is similar, but we're going to put a lot of focus on the heart. Because that's why all those scriptures are in there. God does not want our heart taken by anything but Him. So, yeah, I, um, my husband and I tithe, but what I'm hearing too is the pulling of your kids into seeing that. And I don't know that we've ever talked to our kids about, yeah. hey, this is what we do and this is why we do it. And, you know, we're glad to be able to do it. What a gift. And so that's just been a takeaway already for me of like, okay, how can I, how can I do this at home? Uh, Callie, you mentioned these, these three years that you and Jeremy were like, we are getting rid of all of this debt and we're going to do nothing. And I feel like it's so countercultural because the culture would say, uh, no, you deserve it. Treat yourself. You know, and you guys really had to prioritize a different way of life so that you could get out from underneath that debt. So how do you, what would you say to this notion of treat yourself, buy whatever you deserve? Um, you know, it's your money. You worked hard. You should get to spend it how you want. Like, how would you combat that kind of thinking? Um, I think it's okay um, to buy things as long as it's in the proper order of giving, saving, spending. So um you know, if you're trying to meet a goal uh, like we were, then obviously there's going to be a time, but it's not going to go on forever. It's temporary. And so you can kind of see the end. But um, I do think that it's okay to treat yourself as long as you're doing it, like I said, in the right order and teach kids that as well. And I think I think um, time goes right along with that, time and money. You know, how you spend your money, how you spend your time. I think the kids need to see the priority right in those areas. You know, I know um, Pastor Zach has talked about how sports, you know, and with the youth can pull us away um, from the church or from, you know, get our priorities messed up. So I think it's important kids will learn more is caught than taught. You know, they're going to they're gonna see what we're doing and they're going to follow so many ways. So it's really important that we get those good habits down and those priorities are shown in our lives. I think it's such a good difference to explain as well, because I think sometimes when you are thinking of saving, it feels like, oh, I can't do anything. And you feel so guilty whenever you do do something. But um, that really helps to have just that order of things that if you're giving, saving, and then spending, that your priorities are in, they're in check at that point. Yeah. How about um, this notion of uh, kids working. So you mentioned your kids do chores or work around the house and you don't pay them for that. Um, so some practical questions that I would have is, A, do do you guys do allowances for your kids? Would you recommend that? And B, should your kids have jobs outside the home? Kind of at what age? Maybe un- unpack those. Yeah, good question. Um, our kids do not have allowances. Um, like I said, we just do the sometimes if they, we kind of like them to equate working with getting paid. So if they do something big, you know, not just stuff around the house helping. That's just what we all do. But if they do something big, then we do 
uh, give them money for that. And so they have a tangible money. But I told you I worked at Dairy Queen in high school, but that wasn't my first job. I actually cleaned the beach where we lived in junior high. So I picked up dead fish and raked the sand so it looked nice when people came down. So obviously my parents had us start working early, early and um, they had us tithe on it, save. I told you about the Roth IRA and we could also spend a little. Um, we always had jobs that were close to home though. So my parents could kind of keep an eye on us. So I think that's the only thing is that it's important to make sure it's a safe environment. But I do think it's important for kids to learn the value of working. Yeah, I would just add to that. I, I'll never forget our son, Matt, um, coming home. We, we had taken his uh, savings from cleaning carp on the beach and burying them and all that kind of thing. And he and they made a couple bucks an hour, I think, and a lot of sweat getting up early and all. And and we started, I opened a, um, a Vanguard account for him. And um, at one point I sat down and showed him how his investments made more for him one summer than he did working. And, and I remember he just looked at the sheet and he goes, you mean, you know, my, my, my money made more than I did on the beach. And he, this light kind of came on that, again, it's like that, uh, Einstein quote that, um, that, uh, interest is, interest is pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> those who understand it, earn it, and those who don't pay it. And <laughs> I think Matt learned that lesson early. So, uh, that was just a good tangible way to show, again, getting the kids involved in um, actually investing it. I think Matt was probably 12. I don't know how old he was, but he, but he saw his first um, financial report and uh, kind of helped him understand more. Yeah, to my dad's point, we invest our kids' money for them as well. Um, they have their own accounts, which we started when they were born, and now they're six and seven. And we also max out their 529B to save for their college, which I would recommend if you want to help them there because, um, like he said, starting early is, you know, it's never too late to start, but starting early definitely gives you the advantage and the, of compound interest. So I would highly recommend that as well. What advice would you give a parent that may have a particularly strong-willed child that makes the argument, hey, this is my money. You can't take it. I don't want to put these things in this order. How do you start to address that? I would say, um, kind of modeling, having them see us do it, and then kind of hoping and praying to change their little sweethearts um, to want to do it that way, and just kind of giving them, like I said, the joy of experiencing um, giving and showing them the rewards of saving that they can buy something bigger. And, you know, so just kind of modeling that for them and um, praying that their little hearts change. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I feel like the biggest things I'm hearing are model it. So um, if you're struggling financially, that's the first step is maybe getting out from underneath underneath that and making some healthy financial choices and bringing your kids in, even into watching that process. And then as it becomes a healthy situation, letting them kind of see um, the fruits of that. And then uh, the practical tips of saying like, okay, hey, I'm going to help you with this because you can't do it on your own yet. So here's how we're going to have our buckets. We're going to give, uh, we're going to save, and we're going to spend. And those are kind of the, the biggest takeaways that I'm kind of gleaning. But if you could give parents kind of, hey, this is the one thing I want you to hear from this this episode, what would you say? I've been waiting for this question. Okay, <laughs> give it to us. Um, I would turn to Proverbs 22.6. Um, we all are very familiar with that verse about training up our children in the way they should go. And when they were old, they, not, they will not depart from it. I think the word train there is really important. Like if we, if we talk about training like a new employee, 
um, or we're training a financial coach at the church. We come alongside and do that with them. We don't just hand them a handbook and say, you know, go do it. Um, we like to to actually walk alongside them to teach them. And, you know, you hear about uh, Marine Corps training and all those things. It's not a matter of just uh, jumping in for an hour that's not training. It's it's walking alongside them for for some time. And, and in the case of raising children, it's all that all the while they're growing up, we're walking alongside and training them. And I thought it was in. I didn't see this until um, you know we were going to do this podcast. But another verse we use a lot, and I didn't see them connected, was Proverbs twenty two seven. You know, just as a rich rule the poor, so the borrower is slave to the lender. It comes right after that training verse. So uh, I think. The Bible's showing us there how important it is not to bow to any other small G God um, through debt and all those things that can come with it, with improper um, management of our finances is to train our children what's really important. And again, as Kelly said several times here, the, the order is so important that we put him first. And uh, we, we take the time to talk about the importance of that because if Anything else comes out of this, we, we want to glorify God with our finances. Here's the thing. We come into this world naked and we go out naked. That's just a fact, and nobody can get around it. And in between those lines of life and death, it's, it's, it's a test. And um, God's looking for our trust. He's looking for our faithfulness. And there's no more tangible way than we can show them with that than our, than our wallet. Sometimes when we get baptized, I think we want to hold our wallets out of the water and say, you can have me, but not this. Not this. And so I think money is just a really important thing we get right, um, not only as parents. But remember, nobody else is going to teach them this. You know, the government, uh, we've mentioned, is not good at this, the schools. Um, we've got to look to take that responsibility and take it seriously and pray that God would help us do it well. Yeah, to echo my dad, I would just say use money to show love. It's, I mean, money is all going to burn up. And my mom, who's one of the most generous people I know, she always prays, help me to love people and use things rather than use people and love things. And I love that. So that's just what we try to do and teach our kiddos. I love that. And you guys have given us so many practical habits and tips to have in our own homes and model for our children. Um, Kelly, you've referenced giving quite a bit and even the 10% for tithe. Can you tell us the exact amounts that you would put in those, if it's jars or envelopes or whatever you're doing at home, that would be the giving, saving, spending amounts? Yeah, that's a good question. We're not real particular on the amounts except the giving. Okay. So the giving, the 10% is an absolute just because, you know, that's biblical. The saving and spending, we usually let the kids keep a couple bucks. Honestly, we invest most of their money in the bank. So it's a small amount that they're keeping in the <laughs> drawer um, to spend. Um, most of their money, like I said, we invest for them. Um, but just so they have some tangible amount. I mean, you know, you don't want to give little kids too much leeway with money. So just, you know, letting them keep 20 bucks or whatever mm -hmm. over time in the drawer and, you know, they can save up and... I would I would just add to that. Um, as as the kids get older and turn into adults, the general rule we use is give ten, save ten. Of course, the government's going to take ten, <laughs> so that that means you've got to develop a spending plan to live on about seventy percent okay. of your of your net spendable income. Is what we tell them. I know it's getting the the kids. It's a little over their pay grade, but but we want to transition into that. If they get used to using the jars, they're at least least familiar with the concept. Yeah. Um, I want to tell you guys about something uh, really 
exciting that we have coming up. This weekend, we are hosting at CCC uh, our annual parent summit. And actually, Pete will be there uh, with some of our financial team members who will be talking about this a little bit more in depth. So one of the breakout sessions that you can choose to go to, um, they will be there and dive into some of these principles a little bit more deeper and, and be available to answer some some more questions. Uh, Becca will actually be there leading a session as well with her dad uh, just on how to raise kids in a sexually confused culture. And so there's five other topics that will be awesome and it's not too late to sign up on our website. So I just wanted to put that on your guys' radar. We are super excited about it. And one of the worst parts about speaking at one of these things is that you can't attend all of the breakout (laughs) topics because these are some amazing breakout topics. So make sure you go to the website, register, and sign up for those breakout groups. Yes. Pete and Callie, thank you so much for for your time. Glad to be here. Thanks.